flip this track again, y'all. Welcome back into a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. As usual, I am TJ McBride, the host of this podcast. You can find my work over at Mile High Sports, lead editor, lead beat writer, tons of information, always doing good stuff. And now, as usual, now, Brendan Vogt will be sitting to my right. Not the lead writer, not the lead editor. Not really sure what I bring to the table here. But you're the lead in my heart. (laughs) You can follow me at bvote 422 and again, get used to me. I'll be all on all these podcasts going forward. Take two here, TJ. We had a little technical difficulties. Yeah, we may have already recorded about 10 minutes of podcast. <laughs> and, wanted to update. and that does not work when you're trying to record a podcast. But so. we love this stuff so much. <laughs> so we're back at it. So we're going to talk about a bunch of different trade deadline conversations. We're, I mean, we're going to have a couple of fake trades. We're not going to try and just beat the life out of trying to trade certain individuals. But there are some deals that we think could be beneficial for this Nuggets team that we're going to end up talking about. Uh, we're going to update stuff on practice. We're going to talk about which players and which levels you kind of put them in in terms of their trade value and what you could be likely seeing from them, who's untouchable, who's not, things like that. But before we get into that, let's get into what happened at practice today, which was an injury update for Paul Millsap. Sure. So Paul Millsap, what did Mike Malone tell us today? It could be right after the All-Star break. It could be three weeks later. He had a smile on his face the whole time he was saying it. And and this is the thing. Paul Millsap told everybody when he had his first media availability, he said that he likely feels like he can come back sooner and would not not share the date with us what we do know is that he has ramped up his his rehab to start getting into game shape and more conditioned he has started actually using the injured wrist to get back to basketball activities with and being that he's using that wrist again the biggest hurdle now is to start breaking through all that scar tissue and build up that you get from when you don't use it for a long period of time and getting that range of motion back in his wrist and so given that it's the nuggets and that it's paul Millsap, especially we know very little to nothing about this they're not going to give us anything definitive but tj if i were going to sort of recklessly speculate since we have a podcast i would say there's an air of positivity about this there is when we ask players and coaches about paul Millsap, it really seems like someone wants to give us a super positive answer and and a speedy recovery and and a good timetable but again this is probably one of the biggest acquisition free agent acquisitions in nuggets history i go out of my way to say he absolutely is is the the biggest. biggest he's a big investment for them they're not going to you know, they're going to hedge their bets and they're You're going to temper expectations. You're not going to a $30 million player because you want to bring him back a week early. And they're not going to put a timetable on it that is early and have him not come right. back and have the optics be terrible. And so I'm not a because I can't afford it. But <laughs> if I were, I would place money on him being back sooner rather than later after the All-Star. I agree with that. And I think it's a good thing, to, a good sign. And this is the thing about Paul Millsap. He's a consummate professional. He's been getting one-handed dribble work in. He's been getting one-handed shot work in. He's been like getting conditioning work in. He's been working and regardless of the fact that his wrist is still hurt. And that's been a very important thing for this. You don't want anyone to get hurt, but you're right. Paul Millsap is is a pro's pro. He's the type of guy that you can trust to approach the rehab process the right way. They're not going to be careless. They won't rush anything. But again, seems to us like they recovery. TJ, the other thing, major theme at practice today was playing without play calls. It's something the media has asked Malone a lot about lately. These last two games, it really seems like Malone has tried to relinquish some control, take his hand off the wheel, and let this team just play basketball. Yes, in fourth quarters, in the playoffs, you need a coach who can call plays. You need a team that can execute them in the half court. But you also just got to be able to let these guys get out there and do what they do. We've seen some positive results specifically to me, TJ, Plumlee, and Jokic. Uh, Malone agreed that last night was probably the best they've ever played together in terms of spacing and shot selection. 
I would wager that that is a result of less play calls. It also is a result of the fact that Michael Malone and Mason Plumlee had a conversation. And this is an important fact because it isn't just Mason Plumlee. He's had conversation with Will Barton individually. He's had conversations with Gary Harris individually. He's had conversations with Nikola Jokic recently. Michael Malone has gone out of his way to pick out individual players to have conversations to make sure everybody is on the same page. And I think that's a very important maturation in his development as a head coach because he's still a very young head coach. And you've seen it play out in terms of helping that space together because that first quarter, and Michael Malone had a great stat. Mason Plumlee was 6 of 6 from the field. Five of those were off of assists from Nikola Jokic. And that's awesome. And that's the way you want Jokic and his front court partner to be playing together, no matter who it is, whether it's Plumlee, Millsap, Lyles. Whatever. Um, but yeah, I felt like with the exception that there were two centers on the court at the same time, last night was the closest to last year's half-court offense for me personally that we've seen in a while. And so, yeah, just something to watch for as a fan on your couch at home. I would guess that that was a result of less play calls. All that action you saw on the weak side, the way how active everyone looked and engaged everyone looked, they were just out there playing basketball. That was not something the coaching staff was calling from the bench. So maybe that's the way to go going forward. Yeah, and props to Malone for having the 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 site to be like, you know what? I need to not be forcing this upon people anymore. Right. I need to allow my guys to play the brand of basketball that they're best at doing so. Especially He's a controlling guy. He, he wants to be able to have everything under control and know exactly what he is going to be getting. That's why he's a defensive guy. Right. You know what you're getting when guys play hard and know how to play fundamental defense. And so you know that this is hard for him. But when you have such a young team, you, you sometimes you got to let him go through the ups and the downs. So team alone sort of recognize that. I think is encouraging. Thinking about letting players go through ups and downs, mm-hmm. Juancho Hernan Gomez, you talked to him today. Talk a little bit about your the conversations you've had with him and the ideas that you've kind of picked up on. Yeah, so one question I get a lot on Twitter, conversationally, whatever, is what happened to Juancho, right? This is a guy who was in the rotation last year who was playing exceptional. Of course, we all remember that Golden State game when he hit like six or seven threes. He's fallen out of the rotation this year. Now, a lot of those, you know, a lot of the reasons why are uncontrollables. He got mono. He reportedly got the flu after yeah, that. Potentially, yeah, potentially. Right. And 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 Paul Millsap's on the team now and the emergence of Trey Lyles. Like these are all factors. And it's 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 been unfortunate for Wancho. And Malone said it today, you know, Wancho's a good player. Wancho deserves his minutes. There's just guys right now who are playing better. So I'm trying to get some quotes, trying to write a piece on just where Wancho's head is at. Does he still feel like the team has confidence in him? Does he still want to be here? Is he still confident in himself? I'm not sure. And that's the thing is it's hard to get a gauge on how confident Wancho is in himself right now. Because he's a happy dude. He's always happy-go-lucky. He's always smiling. He's always yelling. Trey Lyles called him one of the best teammates he's ever had today. And that was emphatic. Trey Lyles doesn't often give you an emphatic or energetic answer. Yeah, he's very good at just saying, like, we need to be aggressive. (laughs) It's all he says. He was eager to tell us this about Wancho. He was. And it's interesting with Wancho because he had a couple quotes where he kind of talked about how, this is paraphrasing here because there's a little bit of a language barrier, but... Have, like, you know what? Like, Malone has more confidence in guys like Trey Lyles, guys like Malik Beasley, guys like Tory Craig than I do. And, like, you could tell he was frustrated with it, but it didn't seem like he was frustrated with Malone, more just he wants to get himself back to playing right. basketball. That was that internal competitor frustration. And it didn't feel like something that would bubble over necessarily to be like a cancer in the locker room or anything like that. But, yeah, I mean, look, with how polished players are professionally and in the media, I asked Juan, I asked Juancho straight up, do you still feel like this coaching staff has confidence in you? I think most players would snap into, yes, of course, right? The PR answer. Juancho was a little more transparent. It, he wasn't entirely sure. He did say he's just going to do whatever he can to stay ready. We know he's frequently one of the last guys in the gym getting shots up. So, yeah, I think mentally he's still engaged. It sounds like he's still supporting his teammates, but... Yeah, look, let's not let's not kid ourselves. He's relatively frustrated. He wants to play basketball 
and he is out of this rotation right now. Yeah, flat out. He is out of this rotation. There's no other way to put it. But I do want to move off of Wancho because he's just not playing right now. And, yeah. and we'll have a lot of more articles about him that Brennan will be writing very soon. So you see on that. What I thought was notable at practice as well was just the energy level of players and coaches alike. Yeah, so I've only been around this team for a little bit, but I have to say this was probably the best mood I've seen Michael Malone in since I started covering the team. Uh, he was laughing. He was joking. And that really rubbed off on his players. Spirits seemed high. Things seemed loose today. Again, this team isn't naive. They understand what's coming up in terms of the, the brutal stretch of the schedule. They know where they are in the playoff race. But I really enjoyed seeing them sort of take some time to relax and say, you know what, we played really well last night. It was night. such a goofy conversation because they're doing a 90s night coming out. So there were some 90s night questions. Apparently, Will Barton grew up watching Rugrats and Tommy's his boy. He was in, There was no like lead up or thought process. Like It just came out of his mouth that Tommy was his boy. It was hysterical. Uh, my favorite one was Michael Malone talking about the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> because they, ta- they asked him, they were like, so the two, whatever, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, whatever their characters' names are, I'm not a big Titanic person if you can't tell but they were like was there room for Leonardo DiCaprio on Jack the door and Rose bro and so what is that like they needed room so she probably kicked him off of it and made him <laughs> drown and freeze to death uh, that was absolutely hysterical but Trey Lyles Trey Lyles was pretty sure that the door would have sunk but he did not seem confident in his grasp of the physics oh he there. said all three he was like no 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 they should have been together oh but you know what they probably would have sunk but at the same time she probably just wanted to be alone and they said literally every answer and then she he literally could ran away so yeah look it was fun it was a fun day at practice it was good to see the players in a good mood because things are so tense right now and there's pressure on certain individuals, Michael Malone's Michael Malone especially. But like it's hard to remember that this is a young team that for the most part is in a good place. So it was nice to see them enjoying themselves today. It absolutely was. But I think that that is pretty much everything to cover from practice today. There'll be a couple other things. I got some exclusive quotes from Michael Malone that you'll be will we'll be getting up. We talked to Will Barton about Will Barton and Trey Lyles and their similar paths. Nuggets where they finally got the playing time that they felt like they deserved, which they do deserve, obviously, at this juncture. So we'll have a lot of articles up about that in the very new future. But let's get into this trade deadline conversation. because. Sure. That's what I really wanted to get into. So before doing fake trades, which fake trades suck because we're always going to be wrong because guess what? We're not NBA GMs or NBA head It's coaches. just never going to happen. It's, we're yeah. never going to be right about them. But it does present an interesting opportunity to show what the Nuggets may be looking into doing in terms of a platform and what guys they may be wanting to move or things like that. But I think before we, we talk about specific targets and specific deals the Nuggets might go after, I think we might be well served to sort of break the roster as it currently exists down into tiers with regards to the trade deadline. So let's start with just untouchables. Start at the top. How many guys would you have on your untouchable list? Okay, well, there's one that has to be there, right? Yes. And I think we all know who it is. Nikola Jokic, he is the face of the franchise. They're quite literally building the offense around him. What's the direction if you're trading Jokic? He, he's not going anywhere. I, I love what Jamal Murray and Gary Harris have been able to do. I am not putting my bets on the fact that if you move Nikola Jokic, you can continue this r- ridiculous rebuilding transition that they've made that quickly. So I'm not naive, and I understand that there are players that are better than Gary Harris, and if you can make a deal to get a true number two along Alongside Jokic, you should probably do it. I'm a little more hesitant to move Harris than you. I think it would have to be a, a, a bona fide superstar because the Jokic-Harris combination um, specifically is awesome. They they understand the way each other plays, the, the way they connect telepathically on those backdoor cuts, how good, if not elite, Harris can be as a spot-up shooter. Like If you're building an offense through Jokic, Harris is, is almost the perfect complementary piece. So I'm not going to sit here and say that he's untouchable but you would he's as close as you can yeah you would if you're keeping Jokic to me you got to keep Harris as well no I totally agree with that I I think so let me ask you this 
Like, obviously, Nikola Jokic is on. Kawhi Leonard forces a way out of San Antonio. Would you be willing to look into a deal to send Nikola Jokic to Kawhi Leonard? Man, I don't want to shut you down on our own podcast here, man. I just don't even know how to go about answering that question. No, like, it's it, true. It, it's it, a tough you know, one. Would either side do it? Like, we don't know about and, the health. I think both sides would say no. And, I agree with that. And I would. I completely agree with that. As a Nuggets fan, I'd be comfortable with it. I, you just. But it also proves the point of how untouchable Nikola Jokic really is. Yes. That's exactly. why I wanted to ask the question. Exactly. And again, I think about this a lot, but with the Nuggets, it always comes down to timeline, right? The, the current front office, the current coaching staff are always going to win as soon as possible. But if you're realistic about it, it's two to three years before you can really contend anyway. So if that's your window, Jokic is more valuable than, than you know, giving up all these pieces to get marginally better right away with a bona fide superstar so let's go into the next tier so uh, these are the guys that i would only trade for a superstar we're talking kyrie irving we're talking paul george we're talking jimmy butler right. like the top echelon of star players right, right. jamal murray gary harris and paul Millsap is where i put those three players in this tier so for me like as much as i would be it would take so much for me to part with any of these three players but if anthony davis comes available and they need a power forward to put next to boogie like paul Millsap would be willing like i would be willing to trade Paul Millsap for that situation. I agree. Regardless of how outlandish and impossible that is currently, like I, you have to put them in a separate tier than Nikola Jokic in my mind. Agreed. I mean, Paul Millsap's not going anywhere. It's just he's been injured. He's a little older. They just signed him. I mean, that trade's not going to happen. But I'm with you that as far as your, you know, my personal comfort level, right, if we're talking about a massive, massive upgrade and Paul Millsap has to go, sure, you, you consider it. Versus Jokic, I think there's, uh, you know, unless Golden State gets hammered one night and offers you um th yeah then then no so I, I agree with you about Millsap, but i also feel the need to say like he's not getting traded yeah he's not getting traded none of these guys are getting traded yeah. gary harris just got extended his, his extension kicks in next year you're not trading gary harris. i think the name that's interesting on this list is jamal murray because he is the nuggets drafted him to be a, a specific type of player it looks like he's developing into that type yeah. of player so if this if this team is going to develop into what they thought, what they wanted it to be, he has to be a key part of that. That said, um, he's young. And if you have a chance to get really, really good, like both Murray and Harris's names came up in all these deals and these rumors yep. for bona fide superstars. And maybe not as a package deal, but individually, the front office was willing to part with both of them. Exactly. But it was for big time deals. Big so, time. So deals. let's find the line here. Would you trade either of them to get Kemba Walker? Um, man, that is so tough. I know. I'm, I'm going to say no. But, and I would agree with but you. That has more to do with timeline stuff than players in a vacuum. Obviously, Kemba, Kemba Walker is a better is player. Better than both of them. We can't. We can't argue that. Right. But get Kemba versus what it would do to the Nuggets timeline. Um, I don't think it's worth it. So, what about Kyrie Irving? I would not have, but I also feel like I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, and see, that's one of those things where like Kyrie's just been so good, and like right. it's more of our affinity for being able to right. see these guys up close and know them personally. Let, let me, but it, I think that's the line. The, the Kemba compared to the Kyrie's right, is, right. I think, the line of where you start talking about what level star player are you really going to be able to be willing to part with either of these two, you know, high level young guards to get. Yeah, and I think that's the line, in my opinion. It's got to be like a whoa, that guy's available. Like it's yeah. got to blow you out of the water. Yeah, Agreed. exactly. So next year, let's uh, move on. So these, uh, this is something that I think is interesting because there are go there's always going to be guys and teams that are looking to add players who are veterans and guys who can help immediately for a contending elite level team. So for me, I have Will Barton in this list, especially because he's expiring, so the future money is not going to hurt people. And then you get instantaneous uh, firepower off the bench or on the starting unit, and he can play one through three. So for me, he's a guy who plays hard, is a baller, connects with guys. He's a really, really, really selfless individual. I do feel like he would be a guy who could help a lot of players. Especially for contenders. I mean, like you, you just start taking it perfectly yes this is 
expiring deal. So financially, it's not a lot coming you're, you're taking on. But it's also a guy, whether he's the sixth man off the bench or, you know, a starting wing for someone. I mean, this guy can help a lot of teams. And given the financial situation, he is a very, very movable contract. The question is, TJ, is he someone the Nuggets can afford to part with? And I think that they, I don't think so. It depends on what you bring back. That's right. really all this comes down to is right. what does this eventually turn into for him? I feel like Will Barton also, we don't talk enough about the fact that him and Tim Connolly are very close individuals, have known each other since Will was like getting into high school. So those guys go really, really far back and they're is confirmed there is the four-year 42 million dollar extension on the table waiting for him to sign it if he so chooses to do so that is the most money the nuggets in particular are allowed to offer him in terms of a extension he can get more money on the open market and the nuggets can offer him more money on the open market if he gets there i just don't really know if they'll have the money to do so i'm hoping will barton picks up that extension but i do think he is a guy in this conversation yes that is a movable contract yes. that could help he's a very team. movable contract uh yeah. wilson chandler is another guy that i also think should be on the conversation he is and he's a guy that i've heard a lot of fans lately say they really want gone which is interesting to me i mean i under, i think maybe that is a lot to do with it seems like wilson really wants to be I gone a theory yeah. about that yeah so the way i look at those kinds of situations is specifically because you've heard about him on the trade block for a year and a half now so fans just want him traded because you've talked about it for so long like at what point is this just something that you're so used to? You continue to hammer just because you keep hammering it. I agree. Wilson Chandler has been invaluable defensively in terms of being able to bring the versatility of this team. Especially in the absence of Paul Millsap. Yes. And to have such a versatile guy who can play twos, threes, and fours the way he can, who can switch all over the court, it goes a really long way for this team. People were concerned with his energy. These last two games off the bench, it looks much, much better. I agree so, with that. Um, but, but that said, it, within the context of this conversation, he's a veteran on a reasonable contract. He defends well. I mean, he's a movable contract. He's a guy that contenders yes. might be interested. And in. also, he could opt out of his contract next year, which he's likely Good going point. to to get his last contract. So he's, he, so he's essentially he an expiring as an expiring. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other guy that I have on this list that people may disagree with me on is Trey Lyles. So it's not that he's not a movable contract, <laughs> and it's not that he couldn't help other teams. I just think he can help Denver. I wouldn't want him gone, and that's. Obviously, there are certain names or deals where if it was too good to pass up on, sure, you consider it. But in the absence of Millsap, I mean, what's been more important than the way that Trey Lyles has stepped up? I almost put him into the more like, because we're going to have a topic. We're talking about deal sweeteners, guys who just help improve yeah. like deals that you could be making that are separate. So you could put him in that. Guys who can shoot, guys who can attack closeouts, guys who can finish at the rim, and guys who are his size and can play three, four, or five are so hyper-valuable to so many different teams at this juncture in the NBA. Oh, of course. So if if it came down to a team really needed let's like that Kemba Walker trade, right? Then sure, that's something you can consider. Like, but I think Cleveland would do anything to get a guy like Trey Lyles. Sure. Sure. But I think if you're Denver, there's actually very limited things you would you would be willing to to do to make that trade. I yes, mean, he's just I think so the, important to this team. The way I look at this, this movable contracts that could help contenders or elite teams, these are guys that other teams will call Denver about. Right, this right. isn't something where you're trying already Shop talking Trey about Lyles, right, a right. conversation and you add him in later. Like Guys are calling, looking for him because he could help. Agreed. That's the differentiation that I've made between them. This next tier are guys that Denver has probably made several calls about yes. for quite some time. Matt Moore said it perfectly about Kenneth Fareed. Someone asked him on Twitter what it would take to get Kenneth Fareed from Denver and he's 
said flat out a phone call. Just call them. <laughs> just like, call them. They've been trying. Yes. Kenneth um, Farid has been on the trade block for what, three and a half years now? It feels that way. Look, Kenneth Farid's a good basketball player. He's a guy who 10 years ago would have probably been twice as valuable as he is now. But with the contract he's on and with the way he plays or the way that he can't play, and what I mean by that obviously is stretching the floor at all, even in the slightest, or being a committed on-ball defender, this is a very hard contract to move. So again, we hear so much about those trade Moutier and Fareed. Wouldn't that be ideal? But those are two contracts that uh, very few people want to take on right now. Yeah, and they're just players that aren't going to help you right now. That's right. part of it. And Emmanuel Moutier is that other person, is that he is, has done not nearly enough in his time at the NBA level to warrant that team should be excited to get their hands on him. Now, if Denver's really, really, really desperate to get rid of him and he's a throwaway in a trade, I, that's something I consider as a, as a younger team who's less concerned with contending immediately, sometimes you just got to take flyers on guys with tons of talent because like we saw with Trey Lyles, like Malone said today that about Lyles and Barton. Barton. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it takes just getting into the right situation, having a coach that believes in you. I fully believe Emmanuel Moutier can play NBA basketball. I also fully believe it's not going to happen in Denver. Yeah, that's where I'm at with it as well. So he is a guy that the Nuggets would be happy to be able to move, Kenneth Fareed and Moutier. And I have a feeling Moutier and Fareed would like to be moved as well. Right. So that just feels like it's advantageous for both parties to get a deal done. We'll see if it does. We'll see if there's a market for either of them. But those are the guys that's likely to be moved, in my opinion. So this next guy, this next tier, I just want to fly through. Because these are guys that, don't, that just don't have trade value yeah. so you have the two two-way players Tory craig monte morris they're just not going to get traded because there's not really a need to at this point right. like no team is going to give you anything extra for two-way players uh darrell arthur's contract is too big considering he literally does not play tyler light is a first round pick that has not gotten any time at the nba level so no one knows what he is so he's more value as an enigmatic first round pick than as an actual player so you're not going to get value back for him and richard jefferson is just an aging vet who doesn't really give you a ton right now and is on a cheap enough deal that there's no reason to move him. and the only guy here on this list you'd want to move if you're Denver is Darrell Arthur, so you can get off of that money. Yeah, and you would like to, but again, that you're not going to be able to move Darrell There's Arthur. There's little be very surprised. to no trade value. If you were going to do it, you you're would have to use stuff. what I would call a deal sweetener. And I think there are two good ones on this team, two young guys who, in theory, should have a lot of value, some value on the trade market, and they're not really in the rotation right now. Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez. And it's, it's such, a, such a tough spot because Denver has been so drafting for yep. so for like three, four years now that they just have this glut of young players and they can't play them all. Right. And it's not a fact that Malik Beasley is not a talented NBA player or Wancho is never going to pan out. It's actually the exact opposite. There is not enough time for them to pan out at this juncture. So depending on how the trade deadline does shake out, these guys could tw- could switch from deal sweeteners to guys who could fall into playing time. If you're trying to go get a guy like Joe Harris and you're sending out a contract like Kenneth Faree, let's just say, and you need something to make that deal more worth it and you want to hold on to your first round picks... You a guy that one of like these guys. right, a guy you drafted in the late lottery that's not playing right now. I mean, that is the ideal deal sweetener. And Wancho brought up today, unsolicited. We asked him what it takes to get, like, what does it mean to stay ready for your chance? And at some point in there, he brought up, "We'll see what happens at the trade deadline." That's not a question we asked. So <laughs> it's just you know, and there is a language gate barrier, so we don't know exactly what he was exactly trying to say. And he was not requesting a trade. None yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. It would be crystal like clear. That. It was just something that, like, it was something that he himself had to have an eye on because he is the type of guy who could be thrown onto a deal to maybe help the Nuggets get off some money, get the right asset in return. So Absolutely. And the last guy 
the literal last guy, and it's only this way because I don't know what the hell you do to do this, is Mason Plumley. What? I like mean, three years, $41 million, so you're not, the, the money alone is going to be unbelievably difficult to get out of. You need a backup center in case you lose Nikola Jokic like you did this year when Paul Millsap was out, and he was very good in that stretch. Yeah. You need to have that. He's been a good defender. He's been doing all the dirty work, so he helps the Nuggets more than his value would be on the market, and his contract is too inflated to move him. Exactly. I put him in no man's land. There's like literally it. 0% chance he gets traded. Yeah, so. I mean, if they did, you know what? Maybe they could bring back another center in the trade or a wing or something cool. I don't I don't know. I'm not but a why GM. would another team do that? To. Right. So. I would be very, very, very surprised to see Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, or Mason Plumley get moved. That's okay. everybody. So we've got him down into tears here, buddy. We, we did that much. Do we want to try to do some fake trades that will never happen? Let's just do some fake trades that will never happen. Okay. Real quick, just to appease all the listeners. All right. So I have a couple here. real quick. Let me jump into this. Go I'm excited about this one. I like Garrett Temple. So he plays for the Kings right now. He's a shooting guard who can play with the ball. He's a good shooter. He's a good defender. He works really hard. So the deal I have is Darrell Arthur getting out from underneath his contract and Wancho Hernan Gomez as that deal sweetener to bring back a guy in Garrett Temple that can take over a lot of playmaking duties as well as open up a roster spot to either add a veteran and that you'll be able to bring in to help you immediately for the playoffs or to sign Torrey Craig for the rest of the year. Yeah, this is a good one because for me, the three priorities at the trade deadline are get off of money, Open up a roster spot, get a backup ball handler. Yep. So this is a deal that, in theory, does all three and of And on top things. of that, you don't send any picks, and you don't gut your, out your, all your young players. You lose Wancho, which hurts, and I don't want to move Wancho. I don't want this to make it sound like I want to move Wancho, but he is a player that could help the Kings, considering they have so many point guards and so many centers on their team. I already. was just going to say, like, let's play devil's advocate. Is there a reason the Kings would say, why would I do that? I mean, I think that the Kings would be like, we're falling off a cliff. Garrett Temple is a guy we can get value for. We get a veteran guy who's a very good culture guy in Darrell Arthur. True. We get Wancho Hernan Gomez, who is absolutely a guy who could blossom into a very functional player. And I think that makes sense for both sides. If the Nuggets really wanted to sweeten this up, they do have an extra second round pick that they could also send in this deal as well. I would be surprised if you would send that many assets to get Garrett freaking Temple. But at the same time, if they wanted to make that deal, they could. Yeah, so I was looking at a similar structure. Again, Wancho Hernan Gomez is the name for me looking at him as really the only way that you could get off of some of this money, that you could convince someone to take on Darrell Arthur or Kenneth Fareed. So I was looking at a deal with the Orlando Magic, who could definitely use some more shooting on the court. Uh, yeah. Could definitely use some forwards who can actually space the floor. So I was wondering if they would be convinced to take on Darrell Arthur's contract, if they could get Juan Hernan Gomez and ship over Shelvin Mack. Because I really like him, and I think the Nuggets need a backup ball handler. This is the exact same dynamic that we were already talking about, just because the Nuggets need a backup point guard-esque player that's not Emmanuel Moutier. That that's what all this comes down to for me. And I think Garrett Temple, or you can go to J, or you can go to Jarrett Jack. You can you have another one right now. You're going to say that. Well, I was going to say another one that was similar is JJ Barea. That I don't think this will happen. Me either. The Mavericks love JJ Barea. Like, if he doesn't retire a Maverick, yeah. what are we really doing here? Like that's just let's, that's how I feel about JJ. But it was Barea. worth flirting with because they have the cap room and they have like a boat load of guards so and and it would just be so fun to have jj beret in denver so that was and i think wancho would be a really good guy to learn from dirk nowitzki yeah, growing up yeah, and he'd be yeah, a really good guy to fit alongside dennis smith jr because you get the spacing and anytime you would be a good guy to have and anytime you're talking about trying to maximize the potential of a young player getting him in the hands of rick carlisle that's a good thing so. I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I have one more that I think is a really interesting one. Yeah, this one's argue. a little bit more insane. So the Nets. The Nuggets can go after Joe Harris, who can play with the ball in his hands, has only one year on his deal at $1.5 million. And then Damari Carroll, who is inflated. He's got two years, $14.8 million on his contract. So that is a tough situation. Um, 
he does have a restriction where the Raptors can't require him apparently. So that could potentially come into the weird mix of the cap that I don't necessarily understand. That would be a deal that should be functional. Damari Carroll for and Joe Harris for Kenneth Fareed, Emmanuel Moutier, and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Okay, so right off the bat, what I'm seeing here is you managed to get rid of Kenneth Fareed and Emmanuel Moutier. And so if that was the case, this whole city would owe you a thank you. Yes. Um, I This is one where I feel like you're overthinking it. And... I've you know sat in some some of these circles, these writer circles, since I started doing this, and there's people who are really really smart, and then I think some of those really really smart people overthink things. I'm talking about Joe Harris. I'm just not as high on him as you are, and so yeah, I see some appeal in getting rid of Freed and Moutier, but in this deal, you're not really a lot of money, and you're losing Juancho Hernan Gomez, and not really getting, in my opinion, um, something in return that that validates that. I don't know. So the way I look at it is that you can let Will Barton go back to playing the two which he should be doing as the backup two on this team, which would be better for him, in my opinion, because you have Damari Carroll, who can play three. You open up more versatile defensive lineups. Imagine a lineup of Damari Carroll with Wilson Chandler alongside Nikola Jokic with some explosive guards. I love that idea. Walter Hernan Gomez is a guy that could be very good in Brooklyn, and I think Fareed could see a rejuvenation in his career in Brooklyn because Kenny Atkinson runs a very, very high spread pick and roll. Fareed rolling into that kind of a spaced-out offense terror for teams to deal with. Right. So I do feel like the Nets could get more production out of Fareed than the Nuggets did. Emmanuel Moutier in a spread pick and roll with shooters is how you maximize his effectiveness. Wancho Hernan Gomez, again, adds that spacing in a spread pick and roll. It can play t- three or four. And you get Tamari Carroll back to keep the defense good, which make which make Malone happy, and you get another ball handler and shooter in Joe Harris. And so the Nets have been willing to to do different things to get young assets, take on bad contracts, whatever. And uh, I'm just curious about this one because they have Jeremy Lin, they have, you know, Spencer, and they have um, a lot of guards. So do they want Moutier? But Moutier wouldn't be a guy who plays too much for them. He'd be like just an extra project to have in because he does fit that style. Right. And he does help the money work and the Nuggets need to get off of him. And it does allow them to make the money work to get Joe Harris back as well. So I do think that that would just be kind of those like it's advantageous for both sides just to take a flyer kind and, of thing. And this move opens up a roster. does. So then you can sign Tory Craig again. One thing I want to point out. We didn't put Will Barton or Wilson Chandler in any of these. Yeah, I know. And I think that just... All right. As always, we get into Twitter questions at the end of every podcast. Even if we don't get any, we just make them up. Or I text my friends to give me some questions. That's actually not true. But (laughs) at the same time, we always find a way to get some Twitter questions involved. So let's start hitting a couple of these. You want to start? Sure. What is the cap... I'm sorry. This comes to us from Kyle Lynch at CrackerJack527. What does the cap situation look like in terms of Nikola Jokic's pending extension and the potential of adding bench depth and a third star in the future. TJ, do you want to take the lead on this So, Nikola Jokic, the way it's going to end up working, he's going to get a max contract, which I believe is about $119 million next year over four years. Um, Oh, no, five years. Sorry, five years. The interesting part of this is if all of a sudden he somehow goes ballistic the end of this year and makes an all-NBA team, if that happens, they can offer him a super max, which is $148 million, I believe. But... That shouldn't really matter, right? Because they're going to decline him into restricted free agency. Yes. And so But they're still gonna give him a max. They're still gonna That's give him a max thing. either way. Yes. So right. So it just it just depends on who is re- where he really is and how much money he gets paid. When it comes to adding bench depth and a future third star, the Nuggets have not used their mid level exception or their biannual exception. So because of that, they can go over the cap because they are operating as an above the cap team now to be able to sign guys to certain amounts of money. I can't remember off the top of my head what exactly the exception numbers are with the new CBA rules because of the big increase in money because of the revenue uh, from the TV deals. 
I'm trying to, I think it was 6.8 million for the mid-level. I think it's 5.9 for the biannual. But the Nuggets do have abilities to sign a couple players and stay as an above-the-cap team. And as far as that third star in the future thing goes, something to remember. They already have two. Paul Millsap is on this basketball team. Again, that's easy to forget. And then to me, it really seems like either Harris or Murray, if not both, can develop into either a star or close to it. So as far as trying to form some sort of big three, I would say rather than looking to add someone in free agency, there's a chance in two years, if Millsap's still on the team, you have one organically. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, too, that you can talk about is that Jamal Murray and Gary Harris could potentially turn into that exactly, third star. That's exactly right. So, so it's going to be interesting how it goes about adding a third star, quote unquote. You, I mean, the only time you're going to be able to do that is when Paul Millsap's contract gets to a point where you can decline his option in his third Which year. Which is in two years, right? Yeah, so another $30 million, and the year after that, you can decline it. So I don't think that you're going to talk about them just like outright signing a star player next year. There, there's almost no ability to do that unless you completely skin the roster alive. And you pick up Nikola Jokic's contract and test him in an unrestricted free agency which i have it on very good authority that was very 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 unlikely of happening but if you can get Jokic on this on this extension early and you've got harris on a fairly favorable one then yes if you get out from this Millsap money i I say that as if it's a burden i mean you want paul Millsap on your team but he's getting older let's say they opt out in that third year then yeah there's some money there there's some room and there's a nice young enticing core that other players might want to play with but adding someone new into the mix, that's not going to happen in like two or three years. Probably. Yeah, it's just too difficult, and you have to cut too much of the, of the salary bill to do so, and you have to still extend Jamal Murray in a few years as well. So you don't want to start throwing money out to star players just because you may be able to. That seems like a very, very sketchy way to go about things. Let's go to Noah Tucker at t- uh, Toot All Tucker 26. Noah asked us. Well, I think it may be Too Tall Tucker. Too Tall. You're right. I'm going to go with Not Toot. And You're probably <laughs> reading reading yeah, not a strength we of mine until 4 a.m last night no I, you know what i'm sticking with toot toot all tucker 26 <laughs> if the nuggets trade chandler or if he doesn't opt out in next year and will barton doesn't extend where will bench production come from that noah is a good question it is a good question and it, it's so hard to say next year because you don't know what guys they're going to add on the fringes you don't know what trades they're going to make at the trade deadline if we're talking about just this roster and guys that we think could end up stepping up to be the bench guys trey lyles is a very easy guy to start with i do think he could be very efficient off the bench because he has been very efficient off i the would bench, argue so he, no he argument should be coming off the bench yes. but that's another discussion for another. i'm yeah. really excited to see what malik beasley can do with extended minutes i was going to say and and again Wancho right if he's not included in a trade here this is one of those good problems that Denver has is too much depth uh they drafted really well like you said earlier they're struggling to find ways to get Malik and Wancho into the rotation will they have that same kind of firepower that Barton Chandler and Lyles do probably not but there are guys who can step up and play well off the bench for Denver and listen like I know there's some tweaks in Malik Beasley's shot that is not perfect but that dude is going to be a high level shooter at some point in his career he has too much athleticism as well and he is tenacious in that way let me put a twist on my guy Toots question here (laughs) would you are we really calling Noah Tucker Toots I'm not gonna I'm sorry Noah I just shouts Noah you're always supporting and we appreciate you so I hope that you're just enjoying this with us look I made a mistake always double down i don't know what else to say um <laughs> all right <Dion>. so <laughs> let me ask you a question do you think it's more likely that that chandler is around or barton is around next year chandler but yeah. then again i'm gonna say no of e- for either okay. i just don't expect it because will barton can get more money on the open market and he deserves more money than the nuggets are allowed to offer him it's just there is a cap on how much they're allowed to offer him so the nuggets can only go so far with right. it they would be banking on that relationship with Connolly, his relationship with his teammates it really does and seem it's not like out of the question man 42 million dollars is life-changing money for a guy who had a three-year nine million dollar contract prior and things were not 
going awesome in Portland. He comes to Denver, and they really are working out. And so as much as he takes some heat from some fans, I think he likes Malone a lot. He really likes his teammates here. He seems to be having fun playing basketball. So, yeah, don't rule it out that he sticks around. But also, I would not be surprised if both of these guys are gone. Yeah, I would not either. And this is it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. I mean, this is basketball. It's a business. And I would like to have an extra $20 million than not. So yeah. if I'm Will Bart, I'm going to go get my money. And I yeah. feel that through and through. Uh, this next question from Tucker, we kind of answered already with our fake trades, but who are some of the best backup point guards around the league? Possibly list a few the Nuggets can make a trade for. And then are there any free agents the Nuggets might be interested in if a roster spot opens? What do you think? It, the free agent part is too hard to say because you have to have guys get bought out and things like that to be able to see what kind of guys you're going to end up trying to sign this year. I think if a roster spot opens, it's going to Torrey Craig. So, That's how I feel about it, too. Yeah. Michael Malone is so high on him. But at the same time, if the Nuggets start winning a lot of these tough games that are coming up and they're in a spot to really make some noise in the playoffs, it wouldn't surprise me to see them try and sign a guy. I don't even know who's on a one-year deal. Hey, Chris Bosh, what's going on these days? Oh, no, I'm God. Just don't even get I'm my just hopes kidding. up. I am absolutely... Okay. I So when I first moved to Colorado, I was like, I would watch Nuggets because I love basketball. And like Kenny Martin was my dude. And I like watching all that stuff. I wanted nothing more than Ty Lawson and Chris Bosh to be on the same team, and I still feel like I want Chris Bosh on this team, even regardless, man. It would be so awesome to have Chris Bosh back in the league, especially in Denver. Yeah, but as far as those backup point guards you could look at, not Ty Lawson, uh, but Jarrett Jack, maybe. <laughs> what, is Trey Burke not on this list either? <laughs> I'll put him on. I'm not. Dare you me. Do you think yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we. I think we named the, the names we're kind of interested in, Jarrett Jack, Shelvin Mack, um, and again, you could flirt around with, with some of these two guards that have some ball handling ability you brought up joe harris. the other one did you say um uh, so it... joe harris is a guy i talked about garrett temple is garrett a guy temple, i really like yeah, yeah. uh jarrett jack is another guy that could be interesting you ready for a random one that no one's at, that nobody has talked about hit me with it brandon jennings out of china out of china he's been killing it in china and you want some Damn. volume scoring off the bench to keep guys like afloat because almost every single great team has an explosive guard off the bench who can get you 25 points at any given time how did ty lawson come up hypothetically before brandon jennings i don't remember matt that moore happened. that's why that happened yeah uh, but we'll blame matt moore yeah so which is you know always a good rule of thumb just blame matt moore <laughs> uh matthew bryan at matt l bryan I think I'm still higher on Will than lots of other people. And, and he means Wilson Chandler. Yes, thank you. And I'm convinced he's still a good piece when utilized in that bench four role. And his defense has been consistent. Is it doom or gloom, in your opinion, when Millsap comes back and Lyles takes all the backup power forward minutes? Before I answer the second half, I just want to say, Matthew, I'm with you, buddy. I'm still high on Wilson Chandler. I am as well. And yeah. I think people have been giving him a very bad rap considering what he's done for this team. I think you hit it the nail on the head earlier, dude. I just think it's been rumored that he's leaving and, and or wants out for so long that people are just sort of ready to, to just send him out. Yeah, it's one of those things where you speak it into existence for so long that it has to exist or else you just get frustrated for speaking yeah. on it for so long. But no, I don't think it's doom or gloom necessarily because he could always slide down to the three, right? He likes, he's, he's a better power forward. I yeah. will say that power forward. If it was me and so Paul Millsap gets back, Mason Plumley has to be your five. I would be trying to find minutes to where you can still get Lyles in at the five and play Wilson Chandler alongside him for at least three, four minutes a, a game and do things like that. There's ways to play with the roster. So the way I look at this situation is the way the Warriors are with JaVale McGee. They have multiple guys they like playing at center over him, but they get those 10-minute bursts right. where they just come out and just run through you. And I think if you play Trey Lyles and Wilson Chandler at the four with Will Barton, let's just say, hypothetically, with you know Malik Beasley and Jamal, like you can go out and just run through guys, pick up the pace, try and just get a quick eight to two burst and be able to kind of like put teams away in that way. At the same time, though, it's going to be difficult to figure out who is going to get the mitts power forward. At least Wilson 
Tristan Chandler can play three. That's what, and the thing is, unfortunately with Wilson, he's one of those guys where you actually do have to worry about where he's at mentally. I think it's one thing to ask him to be that first guy to come off the bench, but now if you're relegating even further, further to just sort of be a transition guy between units, if he's not catching enough minutes, he is the type of dude who could check out. And so. I think it's important to go back to what happened last year. The reason yeah. he was pissed off was not because of the losing. It was not because it was because his role continued to change every damn single day. Wilson Chandler That's wants to play. Him. Yeah, this dude wants to play. I think he's comfortable coming off the bench like he has thus far. I think he's I, more comfortable doing that. Yeah, actually, actually I think that's. A, I'd be willing to say that as well. But I think it would. You're playing a dangerous game if you're trying to reduce his role any further after that. So I would put him at the three in that second unit. Um, See, I, I would not, man. Yeah. I just wouldn't. I would. Like, it sucks, but I, I think Trey Lyles is going to get the short end of the stick. Really? Yeah. Man, that's so hard for me to see. He's just been so I mean, important Malone to this team. Malone values defense and versatility more so than shooting. Like, that has been clear. That's why he starts Mason Plumley and not Trey Lyles. Fair. And on top of that, like, if you're going to be playing Mason Plumley off the bench and the guy you're paying this much money to, like, you, you need to play Wilson, or you trade him. Right. And that's all this comes down to for me. You got anything else, by the way? No, I just want to say that was a really good question by Matthew. Yeah, and also thanks for guys for everybody being interactive and sending us questions and being involved with the podcast. Please go follow the podcast Twitter handle at Nuggets. Follow Brendan Vote at bvote422. Follow me at TJ McBride NBA. We really enjoyed all the interaction we've gotten. You guys have been awesome. You've been a lot of fun. I just want to say if you're listening to the show, if you're interacting, make sure you are subscribed to the show. Please, please, please rate and review. Those things go a long way for us. But yeah, this is a lot of fun, man. Don't ever hesitate to send us questions. We are losers. We this is it. This, this is, is all we, we think about. So let us know and we'll try to get it on the show. And something else that is kind of random on the top of my head that I want to start doing, you will see if you go to my bio on my Twitter page that I have my email in there. If you ever want to call in and kind of do it in a Ooh. radio-esque way and kind of make your point known other than that's just reading what you send to us, shoot me an email. We can definitely talk about it. You got to be vetted a little bit because we can have you come on here and start cussing and telling everybody that they're awful and we should fire them alone. I will not have you on if you're like that, flat out, and I'm very good about Twitter, so I will be paying attention to who's talking to me. But at the same time, like we would love to have more and more and more interaction down the line. So definitely hit us up. It's something that we're, look, we're, we're looking forward to doing more. Okay, so tomorrow we got another game, which means TJ and I will do another podcast. So keep an eye out for those tweets, prompting those questions. Thanks as always, friends. Thank you, TJ. Yeah, and I believe that's it. We'll talk to you guys soon. All right, buddy. And I don't scream and kick when hit don't fall in my hands, man. Cause I know how to steal.